I always tell people that Edinburgh's campus is probably the nicest campus in the state system, if not one of the nicest campuses in Pennsylvania. Uh, it is well manicured, always well kept, mm -hmm. uh, even on a, on a brisk winter day like today, <laughs> but the sun is out and shining. Uh, and it, the, the way that the light reflects off of the red brick throughout the campus, I mean, it is just a, a great institutional feel, but more importantly, it's a destination for our students mm. because we don't have a lot of commuter students, people who are coming here uh, as kind of a pass-through. The students come here and they live in the dorms or they stay uh, in apartments in town. And, uh, and so they're here all the time. And so having that sense of place and having that, uh, that, that real uh, homespun sense of value, I think is, is critically important. That was Dr. Jim Wirtz, Associate Dean of Edinburgh's College of Arts, Humanities, and Social Sciences. We took a little different approach to Tartan Talks today. We're not sitting in our booth. We're not sitting at our desk. We're taking a walk around campus to check out the buildings, check out the architecture, and get a feel for the sense of place on campus. Why is it important to have beautiful buildings and artwork displayed on the walls? What sort of buildings make people feel like home? Dr. Wirtz, who earned his undergrad degree here at Edinburgh and served as a faculty member before joining the administration, remembers what it was like back when he went to school and what it was like when he came here for his professional career. We took a tour of campus, went through most of the buildings, and pointed out some of our favorite spots and some places you might remember if you went to school here, came here as a visitor. So join us on our walk around campus as we explore the 600 acres that make up Edinburgh University and look around your surroundings. What makes you comfortable? What makes home a home? And why is it important to place such an emphasis on place? Thanks for joining us here on Tartan Talks. This is Tartan Talks, a podcast from Edinburgh University. I'm your host, Christopher LaFuria. Each month, we'll take a look at individuals who make Edinburgh an exciting, diverse, and profound place to discover your passions. Well, this is kind of uh, where the story all begins, I think, not just for me, but for a lot of uh, Edinburgh graduates uh, in what used to be the quad area between Towers and Schaefer and Scranton Hall. Uh, we're in the shadow of uh, the Lawrence Towers, which are now reopened and have students uh, back in them, uh, which is a, a, fun, uh, a fun thing, I think, for the university to, to be repopulating some of these traditional dorm spaces um, in new and interesting ways with kids living there with, uh, with pets and, 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 and kind of experiencing the university in a new and, and extra personal way. Yeah, we're, we're, sta we're standing outside of Towers A and Towers B, which from the outside looking in, we're, it's about an eight-story building, classic, uh, you know, red brick residence halls that for years has been storage, it's been utilities, been facilities. And also we've started opening it up in the last couple of years where, as you said, we have pet-friendly housing, we have uh, a lot of the ROTC cadets live here, and we're basically making you know, we're revolutionizing this building as something that sat dormant for a little bit, and now it's got life. When I arrived here in 1997, it was uh, full of life. It was, both towers were completely full, all eight floors, um, but it really was the most basic form of college living, right? Mm -hmm. When you think of, of, of college dorm life a generation ago, that's what it was, yeah. right? It was tile floors and, uh, and uh, cinder block walls and metal doors. Basic uh, frame, very, wood frame beds. Very institutional. Right, the beds didn't even stack. It was two beds on either side of the room with uh, with uh, desks that were shared by the two people who lived.
lived in each room. Um, and it was the kind of place that was really super communal because the rooms were small and, and in some ways uninviting, um, but you had a lot of flexibility to do with them what you wanted. So people would leave their doors propped open and walk through the halls and you got to know everybody on your floor um, for the, the good, the bad, and the ugly of living with, uh, I don't know, a couple dozen people yeah. on each floor in these in these old dorms. And also there was a uh, student center-like section of this building where I think on the first floor, which is now the post office area, that was where you know your pool tables were, your televisions were. So you had the communal area within the the residential yeah and there were halls. a lot of uh, a lot of vending machines as you said a lot of pool tables and and, and things for people to do and gather around and uh, spent a lot of uh, late nights that led to early mornings working on uh, research projects uh, a friend of mine that lived a couple floors down we would sit there and work on on our homework for a class we had together and he would always remind me about five or six o'clock in the morning that uh, procrastination is a thief <laughs> <laughs> a thief of your time and That's of your right. energy and of your sleep all of uh, and th this building is about, I don't know, about a nine iron away from the library, too. So you have, you have easy access to, you know, the library. You're, um, you know, like you said, you were living, you know, 12 people in one area. So you had a lot of support that way. Yeah, it was on the periphery of campus, but it really, you know, it felt central because you were always surrounded by other students and other dorms. Yeah. Now it's, it's really interesting, I think, because of the juxtaposition here to, uh, to the Highlands uh, buildings which are uh, much more modern apartment style living and, and something that, you know, you and I didn't necessarily experience no. as undergraduates. No. Uh, once again, we're here with Dr. Jim Wirtz. He's the Associate Dean of Edinburgh's College of Arts, Humanities and Social Science, also an Edinburgh grad. We're talking about the buildings, the architecture on campus, and for the first time, we're actually taking Tartan Talks on the road. I've left my desk in my recording studio, and we're actually walking around campus. We're going to have a freewheeling conversation about what makes uh, this place you know, special in terms of architecture and art, but also we're uh, revisiting the ideas of space and how buildings and how architecture can have an effect on whether you're at college or whether you're in a community or whether you're at home. So we're going to take a look at some of the academic buildings, some of the residence halls, and some of the places on campus that Edinburgh students find themselves daily. Uh, so we're, we're now walking from Towers. We're walking through the main strip by the residence halls and the, the Highlands buildings, which were completed within within the last decade and a half. They're not... They're, they're, they're newer buildings to campus. Yeah, newer buildings. They've all been constructed since I've been here as a, as a faculty member and administrator. Um, and it's been, uh, it's been interesting to hear the experiences of students um, who, who come here and live in that way and, and reflect back on the way that, that we lived in what seems like a, a much more primitive time. Yeah. Uh, yeah like, and we're not kidding when we said uh, college living for us was basic, twin-sized, almost like a cot, like a small bed, dresser, closet. Uh, maybe a communal bathroom down the hall, but some of these residence halls have the, the like a full size kitchen. They have bathrooms. Uh, they're they're pretty they're pretty luxurious, luxurious, and yeah. Contained, yeah, yeah, for sure. So a couple of the buildings that we have within eye shot of the Highlands, we have our the Pogue Student Center, which is relatively new to campus. It's the center for student activities, um, but we also have our Macomb Fieldhouse, our athletic complex. Uh, our football stadium, and those are kind of the, you know, icons that you think of at a college campus, the athletic facilities and the student center. What would you say makes these kind of buildings unique as far as design, layout, or functionality? Well, I think that the, um, in terms of functionality, 
our athletic buildings are, are very traditional and they work because they're very traditional, right? Um, they have, they're cavernous underneath and really uh, interesting and, and super uh, institutional, I would say. Right. When you come back to the, to the student center, the, the student center always existed here. It was the, the center point of campus uh, where students would come to eat and study and hang out and go to the game room and go to the gym and go to the rock wall and do all of those things. But it's in a different form now. It's in a different shape. So if you graduated from here in the late 90s or early 2000s, the, the new Pope Center is a, a very different experience. Yeah. Um, some of you, some people might remember um, the balcony that extended off the back where, you know, you would go out there and, and you could hang out or eat your meal or, uh, or read a book. And at homecoming time, it was always, it was almost uh, cinematic. Yeah. Right? The homecoming court would come out on the balcony and they'd present the homecoming king and queen up there while the bonfire Bonfire's raged raging, down below. Yeah. And, you know, a couple of hundred uh, uh, fraternity and sorority brothers and sisters uh, would be down there dancing around the fire. People's faces <laughs> painted at the beginning of a, 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 of a long uh, week of celebration. A weekend of celebration, yeah. So, and I think um, when I've been looking at the buildings across campus, uh, three different audiences when it comes to architecture on a campus come to mind. You have the... You have the architectures and the architects and the artists who have a view of aesthetics. You also have the student life people and the administrators that want to have a good sense of home for students and a great functionality. And then you have the engineers. These buildings have to be functional. The buildings have to be safe for everybody. So as Jim was saying, the athletics building is basically, it's very functional. It has our basketball stadium, which has been updated uh, with a new scoreboard and everything. We have the weight rooms and everything that truly take care of the athlete. And we have our student center, which can hold events, holds banquets. We have alumni come back and get married in the, the student center multi-purpose room. But a lot of these buildings on campus combine all three of those, the functionality, the artistic element, and the student experience. And that's kind of what we want to talk about on today's episode is how you create, maintain, and promote a place that is visually appealing, safe, and you know, following all the standards, but also something that serves students in the community. I think that you pointed out uh, something important that, that we want to create a sense of place, a sense of home for the students. Um, as we stand here in kind of the middle of campus at, at Mallory Lake, you look around and, and I always tell people that Edinburgh's campus is probably the nicest campus in the state system, if not one of the nicest campuses in Pennsylvania. Uh, it is well manicured, always well kept, mm -hmm. uh, even on a, on a brisk winter day like today, <laughs> but the sun is out and shining. Uh, and it, the, the way that the light reflects off of the red brick throughout the campus, I mean, it is just a, a great institutional feel. But more importantly, it's a destination for our students mm -hmm. because we don't have a lot of commuter students, people who are coming here uh, as kind of a pass-through. The students come here and they live in the dorms or they stay uh, in apartments in town. And, uh, and so they're here all the time. And so having that sense of place and having that, uh, that, that real uh, homespun sense of value, I think, is, is critically important. And one of the unpredictable aspects of our region, which kind of lends itself to that feel, is the two, main, uh, the two main seasons that we battle with here. And by that I'm talking about fall, which if you've ever been in fall in Edinburgh, especially like as Jim was saying with the red buildings and the pond and the, the lake, 
the the fall in Edinburgh with the leaves and everything is just a gorgeous, picturesque place to be. And then you have just weeks after that gorgeous. Since we're at a podcast, this is audio. I need to zoom in on the creek flowing through. Little ambience. That's what we do here on Tartan Talks. So, and then we have just weeks after the beautiful fall, we have winter. To some, it seems almost like a you know, a catastrophe. It's, you have snow, you have, everything's buried, but you have this real serene feel when the lake is like nice and placid. You have a good ice covering. It's cold, but it's also, it's beautiful. Well, and I think that that window of the colors changing and fall setting just right sometimes gets interrupted because that winter can come on us so quickly. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes, I remember the, the first big snowfall coming right after homecoming weekend in the beginning of October. Yeah. Uh, my first year in Edinburgh, I arrived here in August, and we had, I think, 110 inches of snow by the time I left for Christmas break. So that, yeah. was, that, was, a, that was a tremendous <laughs> experience for me. But you know what? Once the snow... Snow is on the ground, um, and you have a day where the where the sun pops. Um, it really does just feel uh, feel great, and and again, it remains uh, picturesque. And it's not always uh, as brutal as it sometimes sounds yeah. when you talk to students who come here to to Northwest Pennsylvania. But uh, you know, here at Mallory Lake, you've got the students who walk from the dormitories across Mallory Lake to the other side of campus to go uh, to Wiley Hall or to go to Doucette Hall or Loveland to the art buildings in particular. They come across here with these big portfolios and it's almost <laughs> like it's almost like there's a sale. When I started at Edinburgh, I was an art major and you're carrying this giant portfolio and when the wind hits you in just the right way, that portfolio is up like over a sailboat. your head. <laughs> you're, trying to, you're trying to manage uh, your own position in the world with, uh, with maintaining all of your equipment. Yeah, we're standing at just an intersection of campus where we have the library in Mallory Lake right in front of us. We have the gazebo to our right and our athletic facility and the and the sports dome behind us. And to quote uh, one of my favorite movies, Good Will Hunting, this is almost like a taster's choice moment between friends. This is <laughs> It's very contemplative, very reflective, just to be able to look at the calm water and just kind of like take stock of what's going on. Uh, and in a as I mean this in the most cheesy manner, this is this is like a postcard type scene that we're looking at, um, and it's something that's you know people sometimes take for granted. There are some times when um, I feel guilty of locking myself in my office because I have a lot of stuff to do. But just a quick like 15, 20 minute walk like we're doing now can kind of open your eyes up to the the gems that we have here, the the architecture, the structures, and you know, the, the feel of what it's like to be in a, in a college campus and one of the biggest, one of the nicest ones in, in this region. This campus is, in those ways, uh, very good for the soul, right? You get out and you take that walk and step away from your work for a minute or step away from your studies uh, when you're a student, and, and it gives you an opportunity to really kind of take it in, and, uh, and the serenity of it all, I think, plays a, a big part of the, the, the lifestyle here on campus. Yeah, especially in the winter when you have that the deep snow canceling all that ambient noise uh it's 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 quiet it's it almost seems isolated but it's it's also very i don't know it's it's important to get those moments where you can sit and reflect and you know you know try and find yourself because we have you know students that take five or six classes a semester we have staff members that are working on projects and and faculty that are balancing research and you know teaching their classes and you know we we've all come to realize that for mental health sake and for you know just enjoying your you know your path it's, it's nice to be able to take those uh those moments of isolation when they can come 
granted, that isn't to say that we don't have our, you know, heavy rains and our strong winds, um, but you'll have that anywhere in, in northwestern Pennsylvania. Another thing that I've noticed as I walk around campus are the variety of trees. Um, we have trees that are dedicated to, you know, former fraternity brothers and sorority sisters that have come and gone. Uh, we have different variety of trees that um, our, you know, that our campus rec group uh, that they plant every year. And it's just having that natural element in the middle of your academic careers, I think works wonders for the students too. It gives them, it kind of like fills in the empty spots for a campus that can seem so, so giant. Sure, there's a beautiful, uh, a beautiful oak grove where uh, students spend uh, a fair amount of time, particularly uh, in the beginning of fall and as we get into late spring. Um, but now, uh, now there's been uh, uh, hammocks that are set out for students. One of the things I love is passing, uh, passing by uh, Van Houten Dining Hall in the back where we have the burrow pit now. Yeah. And the hammocks are out there, and there are students in there all the time. <laughs> and, and I just want there to be hammocks from every tree. All <laughs> yeah, every tree. I just imagine that, that students would take advantage of every single opportunity um, to, to lounge and relax. And sometimes people lay there and read and study. Yeah, that reminds me of uh, the week before finals. I think uh, Diane Crandall in the art department, she has about five or six hammocks that they put out in the uh, kind of like the quad area behind Wiley and a lot of their students just reflect on the semester, critique each other's work, and most importantly, they have hammocks. <laughs> I watch jealously from my office in Wiley <laughs> um, Speaking of trees, there's also a nice little patch of paper birch trees over by Butterfield Hall. The tr like Almost like the traditional white birches, but they have that really thin layer of uh, like golden paper that's, that drapes from the trunk. That the person are my favorite trees. I think they look really cool, but it's, it's another you know, bit of creativity and color that we've added to campus. So now we are in basically the heart of campus as far as physical location. We are right next to the Baron Forness Library, which was originally constructed in the early 1970s and has undergone some, some changes, some updates. Um, and there are also plans to, you know, make further improvements and make things more convenient for students and update a lot of the... Um, the HVAC and a lot of the things behind the scenes, but this has also become, you know, a second part of like a student center almost. A lot of people spend hours here. Well, libraries uh, in general are very different today than they were uh, just 10 years ago. They're becoming places uh, of innovation, right? They're becoming uh, technology centers, uh, startup hubs, uh, places for people to uh, convene uh, and commune. And, and I think that, uh, Tony McMullen, our library director, has done a great job of embracing those cultural changes and bringing them into uh, the Baron Fornes Library because students are abuzz in here. On the first two floors in particular, because after that it's stacks of books and, and study material, but as, as the library uh, transforms, um, it really is uh, much, much more of a uh, of a center uh, centerpiece of energy and activity than I think it uh, than I think it ever was in the past. Yeah, I think I can't speak for libraries across the country, but I can speak for ours, where people are saying the libraries may be fading away, but that's definitely not the case here. Uh, I talked to Tony McMullen this past semester about you know people visiting the campus and the numbers are still up, but like you said, we're using the library in different ways, not just you know working on your research papers and finding books. People are creating podcasts, uh, starting businesses. Um, we have a speaker series here where we get students engaged in communication about certain topics. 
Well, I was lucky enough to be on a, a panel uh, in the library. We spoke on uh, on the elections in 2018, um, and I think there were uh, there were close to 100 students there that day. Um, audiences like that were atypical in this library. One, there wasn't the space for it, um, but two, uh, it just wasn't the the day to day use and the day to day purpose. Now that entire first floor is becoming almost that kind of purposeful, uh, where where it calls people in for one one idea or another um, and then invites them to stay and utilize the rest of the space. Yeah, and one thing I have to give the university credit for on the second and, and in the first floor is to incorporate more student and faculty artwork on the walls too. We have probably one of the most successful art and art educator programs in the, in the state uh, that was formed 100 years ago as we're celebrating the Art 100, but I've seen more student artwork and student paintings and illustrations pop up around campus and it's really giving students like a, a tangible look at the creativity and our, our output here at, as, an, as an art school almost. I think the, the art department has always done a tremendous job in, uh, in, in creating budding artists, right? And, and, and bringing those students to their full potential. Um, but we haven't always had all of the space to, uh, to show the work. Um, and so the fact that we are now uh, embracing that culture much more and extending that work throughout the campus, not only here to the library, but in through academic buildings and over into the Polk Center uh, and, and into the dorms in some cases, I think is just a, a great opportunity for these students to, to exhibit their work. Um, and for students who are not affiliated with the art department here uh, at Edinburgh's campus to really get a sense of what all these people do who walk across campus with, with these big portfolios yeah. <laughs> or those kids that are in the sculpture lab until two or three in the morning and, and uh, excuse me, so sculpture studio until two or three in the morning uh, and come back dirty and tired and, and, and paint it, all over their jeans yeah, and their yeah, oil in their hair. Absolutely. And they, and they come and now, now they understand that and they understand the passion that these students bring to it. And I'm not saying that, that students didn't understand that before, but but now when they uh, see the the fruits of their peers' labor, um, I think it's uh, it's just that much more meaningful of an experience. And along with the um, art that we have displayed on campus, we'll get to both of the art galleries. We currently have two art galleries that host faculty and student shows. We have visitors coming in, uh, and it just kind of creates like a, a, like an artistic feel on campus. As we're standing here in front of the library and looking down at a field of trees and a nice little quad in the area. Let's talk a little bit about what got you interested in not only the aesthetics of art and architecture, but wh why is this such an important, uh, important topic to you as an academic and as a, as, a, as a college dean? Well, I think it's important from an administrative standpoint because uh, the beauty of the place and, uh, and the feel of the place is an emotional, uh, an emotional attraction. Uh, not only for prospective students, but for, for folks who live here for a couple of years as students and then go out into the world. Um, and it, it, it reinforces uh, all of the great experiences and that sense of nostalgia. So when you have folks come back for homecoming, uh, you have folks come back for a, 
a reunion weekend for a Greek organization or, or, or a, an athletic team that they were a part of. Um, and they, they see um, how this beautiful campus has evolved since they left and they remember what it looked like before and they connect those two lines together. Um, it just creates a, a, such a, a great sentiment. Um, and so I, I think it's important in that way. But it also helps, really, uh, the more comfortable you are, uh, the better you're going to learn, um, the, the, better, uh, the better the faculty feel about uh, teaching here. And I, and I think that, uh, that all of those things uh, play a, a big part in how we live, learn, and ultimately uh, experience uh, life here at Edinburgh University. Yeah, and, and also, uh, as, a, as an employee here, it's, it's nice to know that there's a place where you can take a, a half-hour walk over your lunch period or, or before or after work and you can take in the same sense of wonder, awe, and nostalgia that the students get too. Like it definitely is a community of places that you can, you know, stand around and adore the architecture, but also know that it functions an important purpose too. Well, so, and I, I don't, I don't come at this lightly. I mean, I went to graduate school at a beautiful campus in Northwest Washington D.C. at American University, which has the it's a very classical campus in in, in the best senses of the words, with a beautiful quad and and, and classical. Uh, architecture um, but I also worked at the National Cathedral and when you walk sure. into a place when you walk into the front doors of the National Cathedral every day where you know you, that's a pretty powerful thing um, so so having uh, having a place where you can go and step out of the car and 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 look and see that it's not um, it's not just another um, uh, square building somewhere uh, in an industrial park yeah. but, it, but it is in this beautiful campus um, and uh, and that it is so well uh, taken care of and so well respected i mean it's it's the beginning of a good day yeah definitely and i think on the other side of things when in my first two jobs in my professional field i worked my first job was at like a local weekly newspaper where i worked in you know a building that wasn't the best maintained it was a little building in a small town and my second job was at a, a regional newspaper and the building was created out of function it was concrete walls long hallways offices that were closed off and it just, it, it almost felt like yellow prison. Like it, there was nothing comfortable about it. And I think kind of that, that wears on people for a while. So having seen what I didn't want to surround myself in kind of opens up the importance of, you know, viewing the aesthetics here sure. at our campus for, too. Form and function uh, is, is a part of this evolutionary process. When we go back to talking about towers and we think about, uh, and we think about how, um, and we think about how that building was constructed strictly for its function yeah right how many how many square rooms can you put uh into these two square towers yeah uh to look at what we've got today mm -hmm. um which is much more comfortable and much more aesthetically pleasing even in the renovation of the tower yeah um it really gives you a sense that uh that, that the form has become almost as important, if not more important, than the function. Yeah, and I think that also, it, it's kind of difficult to, when it comes to buildings and architecture, to address the changing needs and also the wants of people because it's it's difficult to, to build a building, to renovate a building. But as we kind of evolve as a culture, uh, there are different needs and wants. And I remember five, six years ago, it was all about you know, open office spaces where everybody was at cubicles and it was, now people are going more towards offices and having their own isolated area. It's the same with, with classrooms too. The, the traditional classroom of 25, 30 chairs, 
a blackboard in the front and a professor lecturing, which there's always going to be a place for that. But here we have field work on campus. You have, like you were saying, the art studios where students are getting covered in paint and they're, they're making these brilliant illustrations. So staying current with not only trends, but the needs of incoming students, I think is kind of a, kind of a difficult kind of a difficult role to play, but it's also fulfilling when you see how people utilize the space. Well, it's not just the shape of those classrooms, the pedagogy of the teachers has, has evolved as well. So even in the spaces where it does look traditional, where there are 30 seats pointed at a blackboard at the front of the room, uh, the, the faculty member who's up at the front of that room is doing something very different than a faculty member in the front of that room 30 years ago. Oh, yeah. uh, same could be said for the art studios. And part of that is meeting the, the needs and demands of changing commercial workforce and the way people work and the way people interact when they leave Edinburgh. Uh, it wouldn't be enough for us to just continue to to uh, direct people in the right. way that they once were, oh, yeah. but, uh, but instead to, uh, to help them get a better understanding of what it's going to be like um, when they graduate and enter the workforce. And there's also, um, as far as the industry is concerned, there are, there are current trends with higher education, a lot of students uh, favoring online classes, favoring distance learning. So creating an environment that makes people want to stay here, make, makes them want to have that campus experience is crucial to having people being here. And so we have to kind of like step up a little bit to, which we have been doing a great job of, but it's something that's going to be evolving in the next five, six years. Well, there, will, there will always be students who are going to learn better uh, and feel better when they're in a classroom and they're, and they're face to face. When you take a class online, um, you're in whatever, uh, whatever comfortable setting that you want to, to be in to take that, whether you're at home in your pajamas or <laughs> on your lunch break at work. But if you're here on campus, we can't just, uh, we can't just put people uh, into a, 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 small, a small room and say, this is what your class is going to look like. Yeah. Yeah, it, has to, it has to fit the, the ideal of the discipline, uh, the expectations of the student, um, and, uh, and ultimately uh, the lifestyle that they're going to lead when they get out of here. Sure. And some, some of the classes that we offer here, you know, it's an important element to have the on-campus, the FaceTime with the faculty members. For example, let's, look, let's take a look at the arts. We have, you know, a, an incredible ceramics studio. We have, in Hamilton Hall, we have the, you know, the illustration. We have the places where the models are. But then let's take a look at communications and journalism. We have a campus radio station, campus TV station. That's the kind of stuff that affects learning in a tangible way. And having that as part of our campus offerings. Well, is... it, puts the, it puts those real-world practical experiences into the hands of the students. So the art department, as we come on to uh, the north part of campus, the art department's been doing that for, uh, for over 100 Century, years yeah. now. Yeah, so, so uh, it's, it's, only, it's only right and only fair that all of the other disciplines catch up <laughs> and, and, and make sure when you think about the, uh, the innovative nursing program that we have um, and the work that the students get to do there, um, that kind of experience is similar in some ways, although it may not sure. look it, similar in some ways to the work of, uh, of a studio artist. Yeah, the, the innovative, so in the nursing complex where we have the innovative nursing programs, where we have the birth simulators, that is pretty much the closest you can get to to the action without actually being in a hospital setting um, and that building is gorgeous too you have a nice overlooking view of the lake you have 
all the appropriate medical equipment and everything you need for that hands-on learning that goes, you know, that you can't really replicate otherwise. As we, uh, as we approach Loveland Hall, I think it's only appropriate to point out that, that across campus, there's such a, a distinct character to buildings of a particular period, right? Sure. The, the, the nature of the period is so representative um, in the style of the building and, and to some extent is uh, the way that it's uh, utilized. Yeah. See. If we go into uh, to Loveland Hall, hopefully we're not too disruptive, <laughs> but uh, there's something about coming into this old building with its hardwood floors uh, and the the smells of of wood and clay and paint that you hear the wood saws and you hear the yeah. scrapes of the it feels it feels creative yeah so we're walking through the i guess the south end of loveland hall on the first floor is where we have one of the galleries but we also have you know the place where the art happens it's the place where students go from learning about their craft to doing it. Well, you know, I think, I think Silicon Valley likes to take a lot of credit for um, innovating spaces and allowing their employees to kind of uh, write on the dry erase walls and things. <laughs> but as we stand here in the hallway of Loveland Hall, where every inch of the hallway is essentially a gallery space, yeah. this, is, this is the original innovation yeah. space, right? And this is, this is you know started 80, 70, 80 years before Mark Zuckerberg, so, and, and all the Facebook people, and yeah, this is, this is very innovative. At the middle of the first floor of Loveland Hall, we have Bates Gallery, which is one of the two art galleries. Talk a little bit about this function and why this is important. Well, this is a primary space um, for student work, uh, and particularly for graduate student work who are putting on uh, their, their thesis shows. And so this is the culmination of, of years uh, of, of, of hard work and uh, of, of, of developing a particular style that, uh, that has not only uh, influenced them, but uh, in the ways that our faculty have helped them, but has also then in turn influence the program and so I think to have the, uh, a gallery like this like Bates that is open all day long for students to come in and out of as they're in between classes or if they take a break in class to walk in here and see um, what their their elder peers are doing and working on maybe that sparks something in those underclassmen then when yeah. they go back into their studio. See, I think um, just walking in here, I can see basic functions of this space. Number one, you have the, you know, the academic element of it. You have to learn how to do a showcase. You have to learn how to display your art for curious, for curious art collectors or um, art critics. Second of all, this is a functioning gallery in the middle of an academic place. So this is a major, this is a living, breathing museum. It's museum quality material that have been made by students, by faculty, that you can enjoy as an onlooker or as, a, as an academic. Um, the, third, the third feature is students can also sell their work from here. So if they have a, an exhibit where people come in here and want to purchase their, they want to purchase their work or they want to purchase their furniture, they can make that connection here. I think the fourth one is um, learning to be cooperative and collective in your art. There are students that work together maybe on one or two people exhibiting an art show, but they all come together to transform this room into a show working together to promote one another's art um, and to kind of be an advocate for each other so there's there's this, this small room which is no more than like 15 by 30 is uh, holds a lot of potential and a lot of a lot of stories within these walls it's appropriate that the theme for this show is finding joy finding joy
finding joy in the first floor of Loveland. So the first time I came in this building, I knew that this first floor had rooms, but I did not know about this back oh. annex that has the, the ceramics rooms. It has the, uh, a lot of the, like the welding and the sculptures. This, this is a small corridor in one of the ends of Loveland where you walk down some unassuming wooden steps and it just takes you to places where students are creating ceramics, they're, they're spinning on the wheel. And then you also have the, we have the, the, the welding space for where, where faculty and students are making, you know, three-dimensional metal artwork or they're working with, you know, the giant anvil and the, the, the welding material. Uh, so this is kind of like a, a hidden gem within Loveland uh, where students do the actual physical art creation. I actually haven't been in this room. This is crazy. This is like, this is like an art room. <laughs> the sculpture studio. This is that's crazy. Sculpture barn. Now there are plenty of buildings on campus that we're not going to get a chance to visit today. With a campus that's almost 600 acres, it's, it would take almost you know, two, three hours to walk through them all. So there are plenty of buildings like our alumni offices, our presidential residence, and some of the academic buildings that you, you just have to come see for yourself. They're, they're great centers of learning, great, you know, collective areas where people, you know, you see the learning happening. We have a couple more on our stop. We're standing outside of Doucette Hall, another one of these uh, historic brick buildings that has kind of taken a little bit of a transformation the last couple years. It used to house both math, computer science classes, and art classes, but it's really taken shape as another art hub on campus. The other gallery we have here is the, uh, the Bruce Gallery, which is another place for students to showcase their art. It also hosts the annual Gemitter Scholarship Show. It's also another place that has photography classes, animation classes. This is a lot of the, you know, the hands-on work is done here. So we're gonna head inside Doucette Hall and, you know, take a look. Yeah, from the front door, it kind of looks like, you know, a regular campus building, but once you get inside, there's so many different aspects of this, of this building. Kind of neo-Soviet in its architecture. Yeah, it's, it's I mean, a, it's a, it's very uh, very structurally square, but it, it is a convenient space for art. Um, I think it, it is not a it is not a plush space, but it is a, it is an appropriate space, and it feels. Uh, and I think as you would talk to the artist too, it feels like uh, a place where um, where creativity can blossom and something can be made um, from from. You know, less. And it's also kind of cool to see the. Um, oh, hey. It's also cool to see the the contrast where you have like the you know bomb shelter neo-Soviet concrete walls, but you also have you know the the artwork that kind of sets that apart. So you have both of those coming together at once. So we're here in the, the loading dock now, and the loading dock is a space that has become uh, a holding uh, ground for what will be commissioned works that will go across campus. I call it functional art. Uh, <laughs> they call it sculpture. And uh, they, it'll be part of uh, seating installations that go uh, across campus. So um, we are standing in front of a about six and a half to seven foot uh, styrofoam lounge chair <laughs> with large arms. Um, this styrofoam chair was part of a uh, advanced sculpture class 
and uh, and was the the output of one of the students there. And the the art clubs, the sculpture club, will ultimately spray this down with spray concrete, and then this will be installed uh, out across campus. That's somewhere. crazy. Um, some of the other works that we have in here are actually going to be replicated. So we have um, something that's kind of a cross between. Uh, uh, a an Adirondack chair yeah. and a uh, and uh, uh, I don't know a ski slope or something, but yeah. it is it, this type of thing uh, created out of uh, out of foam um, will uh, also be uh, replicated uh, and uh, and then distributed across campus. So when we have pieces that are replicable, um, they will be replicated in different textures and oh, colors. Yeah. So the design will stay the same, um, but the but the feel of them will vary from location to location. And you said this is going to be spray concrete. What, what is that? Is it just like you said? It's just spray concrete that makes it harden and makes it more weatherproof. You know what? That would be a, a much better question for for uh, the artists for, for the artists <laughs> themselves. Um, I'm not I'm not completely familiar with the process, but I do know that um, that the form and function of this uh, oversized chair is going to, to bring uh, some additional life as students uh, as students hang out yeah. uh, in between class. You know, we have, we talked a lot about the beauty of this campus and the serenity of the campus, um, and we have a lot of green spaces, so we have those groves where, uh, where students will hang uh, hammocks in there and things, but we don't have a lot of installed mm -hmm. seating around campus, um, and so part of our Art 100 initiative was to develop um, beautiful sculptures that were also uh, that were would also be used as seating That's awesome. uh, throughout campus, and and all of this work uh, that we're talking about has been done with students either uh, either commissioned through the Art 100 project or done as part of their coursework, yeah. um, and then that will continue to feed the the life of the the Edinburgh community. See, uh, some of the work will actually go out uh, into the community as well, and we'll have some of these pieces distributed in, in uh, Erie County and Crawford County. Wow, so you have every facet of, of experiential learning, not to get too cheesy with an educational term, but you have functional art pieces that students can create while they're earning college credit for. That's, that's, that's the definition of experience learning, is, is learning while you're actually, while you're making, while you're doing. Yeah, I, I kind of, even though this is, like, as you say, uh, neo-Soviet, it's kind of got a cool charm to it. Yeah. You hear, like, the old, like, the HVAC system's humming. You have the ancient elevator that, you know, kind of have to hold your breath when you go up, even though it's completely safe. I must say that as kind of like a, <laughs> a like a footnote. But it's, it's kind of like, it's very nostalgic to me. It almost reminds me of my grade school, <laughs> where, you know, you have those concrete walls, but it's, it's almost... To be almost cliche, it's it's what the students are doing inside these walls that really kind of makes this place pop yeah, and makes this place live. We talk about it in jest, right? It's yeah. Being neo-Soviet or whatever, but it but it is um, it, it does have its own personality, and it yeah. is different than uh, many of the other buildings on campus. Most of the other buildings on campus, and I think that that's one of the interesting attributes uh, of the university is that from building to building and department to department you really do have a unique character in each place and that character is shaped um, not only by the departments that are there but the students that are there from generation to generation and year to year yeah yeah so right next to Doucette Hall is uh, in my opinion one of the my, one of my favorite buildings to go to it's our it's the Lewis E. Cole Auditorium which hosts a lot of our big events big concerts our bands, our music um, ensembles perform here. What I think is cool about this place is once you get on the inside, 
painted all over the walls and in the ceilings are depictions of philosophers, thinkers, politicians, writers, uh, Jimi Hendrix, from anywhere from Jimi Hendrix to Socrates, they have their depiction on the walls. And it kind of reflects that artistic element with academic history and philosophy. Uh, right outside, it's, it's just a gorgeous building that, you know, it's one of the first things people see when they come to campus off, off the main highway, off of Route 99. It's a, uh, as you said, it's a beautiful theater. It's an 800-seat theater inside. Um, the murals that you were describing, uh, both on the, the back wall and on the ceiling, uh, if anybody knows about uh, the, the Works Progress Administration uh, artworks um, from the, the New Deal era, New Deal, yeah. uh, this, is, this is in that vein. Um, and I think that um, it just brings a, it brings a sense of, uh, of unity to all that happens here at the campus, kind of pulls it all together, yeah. um, and reminds us that <laughs> even as we're out here in uh, in rural Northwest Pennsylvania and, and on this beautiful campus, that um, that this is a uh, a great academic institution and 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 pulls together um, all that is uh, higher education. Yeah. Beyond that, we hold one of our graduation ceremonies here it's just a place where it's, it's a functioning concert hall it's uh it's just it's just a lot of fun i don't know i love this place coming alongside uh the building we're headed towards the northernmost aspect of campus we have a very cool lookout tower with our edinburgh state college signage on it it's very iconic we use a lot a lot of our promotional material because it's one of those icons on campus that's most noticeable but one of the buildings we're about to encounter is our admissions building, which is Academy Hall, one of the oldest buildings in northwestern Pennsylvania that's on the National Registry of Historic Places. And throughout the last decade or so, while maintaining a lot of the genuine natural beauty of the insides, like the wood cross beams and, you know, the lookout tower and the widow's peak, they've kind of renovated on the inside to blend a more modern feel and a more Edinburgh feel to blend that with the um, original elements. And I think it's just a, an amazing transformation that's happened. I think if people need a, uh, a, a visual, uh, it, think of uh, think of that little house on a prairie schoolhouse. I mean, yeah. that's that's what this is, right? Literally. Uh, it, it literally is a two-story uh, schoolhouse uh, from the uh, cir circa uh, late 1800s. And uh, and it serves as a reminder that uh, that this, uh, this campus and this location has been a part of the educational fabric of Northwest Pennsylvania. And, and also, it, it, refl it reflects, it reflects education. You don't just you know, push away old things in favor of new ones where you just uh, you adapt things and you still have respect for the past, but you also incorporate elements of the future and, and, and current trends too. Well, and right next door to Academy Hall is uh, Compton Hall, which was the area's uh, first high school. Yeah. And, and so, so again, with the uh, the natural evolution uh, to uh, to the educational process, we go from the from the the one room schoolhouse to to the uh, first high school yeah. uh, to the Edinburgh State Normal School <laughs> to to Edinburgh University. I mean, it really is uh, it really is a tremendous history. history. Yeah, and Compton Hall, inside the, the walls, uh, in addition to being the original, the first high school in the area, it's also 
another center of experiential learning in that we have our campus radio station, campus TV station, and we also have a lot of our psychology department. So we have our psychology labs. We do a lot of testing in there. We do a lot of research. So it's, it's, it's another just center of, of learning and activity with, with a history element to it as well. And another thing we sh probably should mention being Edinburgh University is the Scottish element that we have on campus, most notably represented in our street names too. We have Kilty Road, we have Scotland, Ro Scotland Road, we have Glasgow Road. Just, they're just kind of like a, a hat tip to the Scottish culture that we have on campus. Bleeding plan from uh, start <laughs> to stop. Yeah, right? Which I think is unique. We have, you know, tartan plaid is one of our main colors. And, you know, it, it's, kind of, it's kind of interesting how we can, you know, not over plaid things, but also make it very important because any sort of aesthetic appeal, you don't want to have too much of an element, but I think we have such a great way of incorporating plaid. And I think the students really embrace it too with, you know, tartan plaid, you know, scarves and jackets and hats. It's part of the, uh, part of the institutional culture and part of the, the create, making it part of the, the creativity that's here. Yeah. Um, it, this is one of the only campuses I would wager uh, in America where you might wake up to the sound of bagpipes. Uh, <laughs> Which sounds like it's right outside your window because and, and it is. And encounter a, a faculty member in a kilt, you know, so. <laughs> and we're uh, not talking about it like a special celebration. We're talking about like a Tuesday, <laughs> like it, just a normal day where you'll see a faculty member wearing a kilt. So the last leg um, of our trip as we circle back around Loveland Hall is one of the coolest spots for the ceramics department. Uh, if you're not familiar with the ceramics world, uh, we have one of the areas only Anagama kilns, which is a wood-fired kiln that helps make some very cool uh, ceramics. So in the middle of the winter or in the, the hot spring days, you'll see students out here chopping wood, loading up the kiln and firing their own projects, which they use as their, in their ex exhibitions and you know, as part of their, their academic requirements. And once the kiln is on, it has to be tended to uh, 24 hours a day for as long as they're going to use it. So students will be here uh, in shifts, uh, day and night. You can come by, uh, particularly, uh, usually around homecoming weekend, they make sure it's fired up and, uh, and the students will be out here uh, firing projects and, and greeting guests and talking about this uh, awesome process. Yeah, and, and that's when you see the passion of the, their artistry come alive too. They're really passionate about what they create and what they make. Well, it's been a pleasure strolling around campus and talking about art and architecture. Thanks for joining us, Jim. Uh, we look forward to another trip around campus. Thanks for having me, Chris. All right, thanks.